and said, restarting. And I went, what? No. Is your laptop yet? No choice. <clears throat> it just it said a fault happened. Okay. <laughs> this is a, I've had this laptop like a month or two. It's an Asus, it's an i7. Yeah, yeah. It should be up to this job. So. Well, we I have, think we're... We have, we have redundancies. I have like a tablet <laughs> that needs to. Always good for the contingency. I love it. Um, okay. Most important question we may tackle today. Do you have the Tim Tams? I do. I'm Australian. I have Tim Tams. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do not. I went to two <clears throat> shops and I, I know where to find them now, but where, where had been a faithful hunting ground for my Tim Tams locally, no longer carries them in store, which I'm very disappointed. And I may take my business, my business elsewhere from now on. For Tim Tams at least. Was that a Target or, or my Target and Walmart? It was a both. Have them. Both Wally World and Target are out in my local, um, my local facilities. It's a shame. It's a COVID? shame. Maybe, maybe Joe Biden will bring them back. Yeah. Right? We'll go there. Don't. 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 Wait for Fred to get on here and trigger the boy from Missouri. I was going to say, don't, I, don't ask, don't tell when it comes to politics. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell, man. Because yeah. I know that people I love dearly are um, uh, Trump supporters. And I, I you, well, you know that Australians sort of sit more on the left, I think, comparatively to, to the US. So, you know, there's no political party in Australia that's saying that universal health care is bad. Right. We, we don't have it. We and don't. All, you know, what's, what's, we, what's we really strange for the people that, that uh, oppose universal health care is that there could be a democracy on the planet that is also not socialist um, because they have universal health care. <laughs> right. And you know what? And, um, and tell, tell me that Acts chapter 2, uh, when the community of faith shares everything together it could not be somehow defined as either communism or socialism at a very healthy clip right <clears throat> well to an american yeah but see the rest of the, the rest of the world we don't thing. see it like that at all how do you see it i don't know but, but we don't see it like when americans say you're a socialist but i'm like is that an american socialist or is well, just a normal person to the rest of the world. Because, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, kind of, we don't I'll, see I'll it, as, it a little bit. No, I mean, I, I think I know the nuances of it, but I'm interested in your perspective of it. Well, I know when I've talked to Americans about universal health care and, and our, my personal experience with it, Yeah. you know, babies, heart attack, having a child choking on a shoe, and need to be helicoptered to a hospital. And it cost our family, I think this year I've paid $150 in healthcare as a rebate as part of my tax because it, it does, does list how much you actually spend. Yeah. And we definitely got our 150 bucks worth. So um, so the, the, the idea 
of, of seeing my Christian friends in the States having to do a GoFundMe for someone that's got cancer is heartbreaking to me. Yeah, it is. Completely and utterly. Um, and, and the fact, and this is a juicy one that they don't talk about very often because it's, it's quite telling to me. And I haven't checked it in a couple of years. So, but till recently, the US government spent more per capita, <coughs> excuse me, Kim, on healthcare than my government. So, to me, that's a bang for buck issue. The American government and its people are not getting value for money out of healthcare. When you when you turn healthcare into a, a money making thing, yeah, someone's got it. and that's I think that's the difference. Um, let, yeah, let me share with you my personal experience on on um, uh, since we're swapping stories here on on quasi universal healthcare. So when when I was laid off from my job on March twentieth. We were already um, on a discounted health plan that we were paying a monthly premium on. Um, but then when I lost income, we were able to contact a state representative that's paid to help people find the best healthcare plan. And because our income projected for the year was gonna be below a certain threshold, we qualified for Medicaid, AKA the Affordable Care Act, AKA Obamacare. And Idaho is one yeah. of the states that, um, ex that had a Medicaid extension and expansion. And because of that, our, our, in our income fit within that. So we have had multiple different medical things in the last eight months with various people in the family. And- um, So those boys of you keep, keep the doctors busy, right? Well, they, I mean, they can with injuries or, or whatever, but- um, Yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful. Look, I pay my taxes. Here's the way I look at it. If I pay my taxes to my government. It seems like healthcare in, in connection uh, to that in, in um, uh, healthcare is a nice benefit to have when you're paying taxes to a government that the government would help provide it. And, and, and that if you want to get supplemental insurance beyond that, you can, you can connect up with a private insurer. It's not a big deal. No one's stopping you from doing that. Um, they there was a one of the big one of the big oppositional things against Obamacare was that all Americans are going to be required to have medical insurance, and if you don't have it, then we're going to charge you, you know. And I didn't really understand all all that at the time. When we when we moved back from Australia seven years ago, we came on to ACA Affordable Care Act, um, and needed to. We just we just did that first that first year. Yeah. Um, but the way that the church, the way that healthcare has gone in the U.S., the way the churches districts don't don't have healthcare policies anymore for full-time pastors in the U.S. for the most part. Um, That's crazy. Well, there's there's lots of different part of that, but you've got the whole. Think about fifty churches on a district. The average health of a pastor and going to a healthcare program and trying to get a buy-in and here's the cross-section and diagrams of, of health. And they're going, ah, I think we're gonna put you in this range. And the district goes, hey, churches, go find that healthcare, you guys are great. And then, and then churches were no longer able to wow. work. And so then they just compensate a pastor if they're paid full-time or part-time. So this is one of the things I wanna to talk to you about is like, 
being a pastor, but your income not coming from the church or a hybrid of those things. Cause I think you have a lot of experience and insight yeah. um, to, to help me with, but it's, it's just a very interesting thing where I think if you're a citizen in a nation that can help, that has great healthcare and, and, and you pay your due to Caesar and your taxes, it seems like in return, healthcare would be a very basic human um, uh, resource that the government could, could help provide. It's a fundamental human right declared by the UN in 1947. Right. So this is, when I hear Americans say that, that healthcare is not a human right, I'm like, yeah, you've got that one. You've actually heard Americans say so, that. Yeah, 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 repeatedly online in, in Facebook comments. Cause and, they, and it's because they have health yeah. It's because they have health care. And then you, then when you put a link to the, the, the statutes of human rights under the, by the UN, uh, and then they go into this weird QAnon almost tangent of um, the UN's, uh, you know, an evil organization, blah, blah, blah. Dude. Which, if you look at the history of the United <laughs> Nations, is... is it was to stop, yeah, yeah, it's one world government, QAnon. Let's not go down that road, but... It's too late. You already yeah, said it. You it, evoked it's the a QAnon funny one. in the internet. Listen, the yeah. one conspiracy... Sorry, theory, it's, it's... The one conspiracy theory that I wish would have come to fruition is that COVID-19 is a complete hoax and will evaporate after November 4th because of the U.S. election because it's just the liberal media in the United States and the Democrats that are talking about this. And if they just shut up, there wouldn't be any coronavirus virus. It would disappear. Okay, well, okay, well let, 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 me, let me make things worse for you. Yes, please. So in Australia, that's true. Um, so Victoria- <laughs> What do you mean? So Victoria, which had, you know, 700 cases a day and 819,000, sorry, 819 people died, which is completely tragic. They're now at one case. Um, Queensland has 12 cases currently, um, but they're all in hospital because they came in from overseas with it. We have not had a case of community um, transmission of COVID in my state for 63 days and yeah but that's because of how your premier um, and then and then also your country but you know from talking to the other guys they told me that queensland's premier just had you know like it's been a really good response that's helped that's, that's helped there not be community spread and people got in on it together it wasn't a politicized response in any way it, it, it's a it's an interesting thing really because it's I don't want to say this because you are recording me and Listen, I don't know what's going to go in. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put out um, anything you don't want me to. And one, this is not an official recording for anybody. This is Kenny Wade putting this up yeah. on my own YouTube. Uh, not an official thing for NPC in any way either, but still right. I always but, ask. But I, through, de facto. Yeah. If there's something you don't want said because of, for whatever reason, Cam, whether it's personal or you feel like it's going to offend a friend or, you know, whatever. You just tell me yeah. you don't want it in there and I'll take it out. We're just talking. Yeah, that's all good. But yeah, so, it, but it's interesting to me that this whole COVID has sort of shown us who Australians are. 
And I was increasingly thinking that we were becoming more selfish and less community focused. But COVID sort of shown us, our leaders came to us and said, look, here's the sites, here's what's happening in Italy, here's what's happening in China. We want to hit the nail on this thing before it gets bad. We want short-term pain for long-term gain. And we need at least 90% of Australians to stop going out. Um, your kids can still go to school. Can you restrict yourselves to like one grocery visit a week? Um, and they have been telling us to stock up for weeks, about a month or two in advance. They, they, they told us to, to not panic buy, but to grab some long life products some canned food. And especially toilet paper. Of a lockdown. Well, we were the first in the world to do the toilet paper thing and I apologize for starting that for everybody else. Um, we, we live in a town that's, that's surrounded by river on every side. And so as soon as you get more than two days worth of rain and someone says the F word, which is flood, um, people panic by. So, so, you know, I'm not saying, but, and we haven't had a case of COVID here, which is, which is amazing. But um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to me that sort of Australians have sort of gone, all right. And, and you do get people, so we had this inter interesting thing where you had the federal government who was heading towards recession. We haven't had a recession in Australia in 28 years. Oh, really? So you got those guys going, yeah, we don't want to be the ones who have caused a recession, but we were heading that way before COVID anyway. Um, so they were trying to keep their foot on the accelerator of the economy. Sorry, this, this, this foot. But they're also trying to put the brakes on the disease at the same time. Right. And you, you know, you can't put your, you can't have two foot, two feet on those pedals at the same time. So the economy can go into recession. Uh, we're lifting out of it because we sort of go, went through that sort of short term pain. And now we're sort of enjoying the, you know, some people want, our, our border is currently closed to Victoria. I think that it will open in the next two weeks or so. New South Wales have a few community cases which they try not to talk about. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that it became a state of origin situation where the, the state rivalry, you know, extended, we didn't have football to cheer at, so it extended to COVID. Um, and ah. so there's a lot of stuff going on there. But um, the state leader, we had an election in the middle of all this, um, end of end of October. So Same. our state leader said, look, if this causes me to lose an election and people are safe and not dying, that is a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah. And and that's that's a brave call in politics. Yeah. I, I think in the end she knew that the polling was gonna like her COVID response was definitely something that helped her leadership. Mm. It showed strength, it showed all that sort of stuff. So um yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, back to the most important part of uh, our conversation today that we'll, I'd like to do at the very end. I'd like for you to talk us through a Tim Tam Slam. What are the finer points, the highlights, the mechanics of the proper technique in, in your perspective? Those, those things are very important to be out there. And um, I can't think of anyone better than, than you to, to line that up. But this is driving me crazy because I couldn't find Tim Tams. Walmart did have these. Walmart have those now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, um, and also Costco. Costco has them. 
Oh, really? Yeah, big box. Well, Costco sells them here. Yeah. Um, in a twenty pack. Let me. So I don't. Oh, I don't want to do the, early. I don't want to do the Tim Tam Slam yet. I want to save it to the end. But I'm going to open this because it's killing me. I haven't had one of these in probably over. Oh yes, Big Daddy. Oh, I was, I was at a barbecue last night, and that's what I was into. So how many meals is that? So we can we can do one of those and just not tell everyone that it's actually eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> mine's mine's three hundred and seventy-five mils. How many is yours? Cam, we froze again. So I'm going to open this because I'm Mate. thirsty and I'm going to just, I'm going to sip at it, but I, I wanted to bring it to observe you. And if Fred ever joins us today, if he's able to, um, if you guys. Is that cold? That doesn't look cold. It's cold enough. Cold it enough. It's cold because it's not dewy. Yeah, look, can you see? Do I need to go put it in the frizz, in the, in the, in the freezer for a bit? Oh, I don't know, but I reckon it should be a bit rough, not cold. Personally, maybe you're more, more of a man than I am. You like it rough, not cold. I like it cold. I like it as icy cold as possible. Well, I, I mean, I do too, but I'm not going to complain. I like it either way. Sure. Sorry, I have a child. Oh, good. Hello, child. Who's this is one? Kenny. He remembers you as a little baby. I do remember you Before as a baby. he moved back to the States. Yeah. We had, we had TV. He doesn't know how to. When did you guys go back? Was it like 2013? Yeah, nice. November. It was you, it was seven you, years ago. Man, it's gone quick. You know what I miss too is meat pies. There's a great little place. Did, did Fred take you to the Outback in Nixa? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because before, remember when he had me do the kind of the training conversation stuff, just a little prep thing? Yeah. We did it there. I loved right. it. It's it's a good pie, but the pie I had, and I understand because Americans don't eat meat pies. So she makes the pies and then they microwave them. Yeah. No. 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 It had it had no structural integrity to be able to to pick up the pie. Because I said to Fred, this is this is a good pie. It's got it's got the, the texture. It had the flavor profile. It just didn't have. It just needed to be cooked in an oven. In and I said, if they ever, they were looking at doing a fundraiser with them. And I said, can you make sure that they're cooked in an oven? Like order your 20 pies or whatever, and make sure it's cooked in an oven, not microwave. Yeah, yeah. So I asked them when I was there about We took it. them to Yetla. What's that? Sorry. This is the ginger beer. Cheers. Um, I asked them at that little, Jeez. at that Outback shop or whatever in, in Joplin um, about their ingredients, if they, you know, if they were using all the ingredients for their meat pies and they're like, oh, we use what we can source locally here. So it does taste a little bit different than if it actually been in Australia, but it's, a, you know, it's the closest we can get. And I, I didn't have one. I don't think I had one when I was there, um, but I did have a, oh, what was that? Man, I'm forgetting things now, Cam. What's that? There's a coffee. Was it was it a vanilla slice? No, it was, I'm thinking. Did you have vanilla slice it's when a I was there? Coffee drink now. It's it's got it's got like hot chocolate on the top of a cappuccino. What's it called? There's there's a chain of coffee shops in Brisbane 
that I used to go to, um, I can't remember the name of it, but they had them. See, I'm not a coffee drinker, so this is not. Oh, okay. Like a mocha? Yeah, like a, 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 mo a mochaccino. Mochaccino. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just had a little bit of the coffee so powder on top. And then you'd go to like drink it. Yeah. And if you inhaled at the wrong moment, it'd be like a shot of cocoa powder up the nasal cavity. <coughs> well, yeah. I mean, it was great. I did it on purpose sometimes. Just to mainline it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that's a price you were willing to pay. It was a price I was that. willing to pay. Okay, Cam, let me, let me ask you some questions about... So let's, can we just talk about this for a sec? Well, it's important, just, so let's do get back I, to the here. Yeah, yeah. So Bundaberg's a real place. A lot of people don't realize it's actually the name of a city. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a family business that's been around for, for 50 years. Um, and it started very small, and now they're a major employer um, in that town. And they globally export. When I travel, I'm astonished. I always see that size, not this size. But right. I can be in the most rural town in New Zealand, and I find it. I've been, I've seen it in Thailand, Singapore, yeah, um, the States. It's good. You you see it in the background of the place that I see, and it always shocks me, is in the background of guys' grocery games on Food Network, they have a display of Bundaberg Ginger Beer in one of the, at least one of the series. So and you, they have all the, yeah. You live in Harvey Bay, right? I live in Maryborough. Maryborough. So we moved, so. Okay. So the church I serve at is in Maryborough. So we moved last December um, to an old Queenslander house that's on top of, we have two levels. And so it's old, a 40, uh, 1940s timber house on one level, and then downstairs is a concrete block. I guess the Americans would say. Not on block, stilts. Maybe. Uh, not on stilts. Okay. And we're five minutes from church. Um, straight down the street from Richmond Street, where I serve, is the bank um, in which. Um, P.L. Travers was born, so the author of Mary Poppins. Okay. So if you've seen Saving Mr. Banks, there's a scene, there's a couple of scenes um, that she was there till five or six years old and then moved. And so now our town, after you know nearly 100 years, went, oh, we can make money out of that. There's statues of Mary Poppins Museum. And, um, the, the, the traffic signals. Yeah in certain intersections are Mary Poppins. They're not a generic person. They are That's Mary fun. Poppins with the umbrella. Um, That's fun. Yeah. Um, Cam, are, are, you, are you on a laptop or tablet or what? Laptop. Can you show me outside? I want to see Australia today. Okay. Um, you can share Australia with everyone. That's a great Do I get seasick? placement of the shirt as well. G'day from NTC Brisbane. <clears throat> it's not NTC Brisbane yeah. anymore. Do they call it that? Or it's, it's NTC Australia, New Zealand? I'm not sure. To me, it's NTC Brisbane. But In my heart um, as well. Yeah. In my heart. So this is... Look, it's I can't Australia. See you can see. Yeah. This is our tree. Oh, is that a koala out there? 
Oh, I wish. No. Probably not. I'm just joking. But but yeah. normally we have some native bees and lorikeets in that tree earlier in the morning. Um, I miss rainbow lorikeets. I miss their sound, and I miss I miss kookaburras. Really? Yeah. We don't really have much in the way of kookaburras here, so where? I don't know where's a better angle to show you, but we'll keep walking. Um, so this is the front. Oops. There you go. So I don't know if you can see. Yep. Don't drop the laptop. But we, we live very close to a very large park. And this is just awesome. suburban. Yep. Australia. We um, we actually saw we have a large sort of reserve nearby with about oh no, I mean it's like a five minute walk um, with about twenty twenty five kangaroos that live in it, which is not normal. I do need to focus okay. that. Gray, red, mostly greys, um, and little ones, big ones, quite big ones. Um, and sometimes in that park, well, at least during COVID, we had kangaroos in there as well a couple of times. Mm. So, what about wallabies? That's not normal. I always say to people, you know, that's not normal Australia. But you know, like NTC has wallabies and stuff on campus. I know. If you if if, um, you, if you visit NTC, and you're coming from the states or anywhere, and in your mind you're thinking wildlife and kangaroos and whatever. And you get on campus there, you're gonna be, you're gonna feel like you're in this bubble. You're not, you don't realize you're in a, you're in a little wildlife refuge bubble, and and right. and that this is not everybody's experience, even normal every everyday Aussies. And so you're just gonna be like, yeah, I went there, and there was like kangaroos everywhere. But what you mean is wallabies. And while you're on campus, you maybe yeah. see a koala. On it's rare, but it happens right. more often than other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, I think my experience, and I've traveled a fair bit, is that wildlife seems to know when there's strangers afoot. So <laughs> we were, 2005, we were in Norway and we're driving down the street and one of the boys, I was driving, and one of the boys says, look, a deer. And there was this full on deer on the side of the road in the middle of this 5,000 people town. And my friend who'd lived there 20 odd years said, I don't know what's going on. I've never seen that before. <laughs> and we were like, so it's, it's almost like the wildlife were like, oh, there's someone from Australia or there's someone from America. Here. Show off a little we bit. We need to put our best foot yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best hoof. So um, the, the last time I was visiting in, in Anchorage, um, I've been up, I think I've been up there three times total. It's always for like a youth thing or a, it's a retreat or it's a training thing or whatever. And last time it was at for it was for their district NYI retreat. And I'm with my friend Adam Ziegler, who's from Philadelphia. I don't know if you've ever met Adam. I know that name. Yeah. Is, that, is there a reason I know that name? Sure, he's Nazarene. It's Nazarenes, man. I, I know there's names that I'm like, oh, I know that name, but yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're 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 driving near downtown Anchorage, but I've been in a couple of times. It's, yeah. it's uh, February, there's some snow on the ground and we're on the way to go see the 
the church building and Compassion Ministry Center that he, he works at and is kind of his ministry post. Kid you not, adolescent moose is walking down the sidewalk. That's, Question. that's not super common in Anchorage. Right. It right. happens, but I just got into town, got in the car, we drove to the church and there was a moose. So I'm with you. They know when to move. An adolescent moose, is that still pretty big? Yeah, is that it's still... big. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I know teenage humans well enough to know that adolescent teenage moose would still be pretty... They're moody. What's the term that Americans would use? Ornery? I don't know or, if it's an appropriate or... term. Nah. <laughs> you don't hear that word very very often anymore, but they're, they're all up in their fields, Cam. Right. <laughs> I have... I, I have yeah, right. I used to hear that term. I I, I think I was Ornery. once again, 2005, we were helping a compassion ministry center. We did a, a mission trip to, to assembly and, and help some friends out all of that. And um, I was helping load some mattresses into a back of a pickup. And this family had this beautiful picture of the Colonel, Colonel Harlan Sanders. From, from KFC <laughs> in their garage. And I was like, inquisitive Aussie, I was like, is this normal for an American? Because I'd never been in an American garage before. I didn't know that most people had a, had a temple to, to the Colonel. But it turns out that the family had connections to the early days of KFC and were quite high up. And, and she said, oh, well, that, that's the Colonel and he was a family friend. And, and my husband used to work for KFC quite high up. and um, and, and the colonel was quite ornery. I said, what was he like? I, you know, he died in 1980. And, and she said, well, you know, the colonel was quite ornery. And, and that word meant nothing to me. As she didn't say ordinary. She said ornery. Well, I said, did you say ordinary? And she said, no, no, ornery. Like, you know, crotchety. Up to, up to mischief? Or? Yeah. Yeah. A, a perfect southern gentleman, but was quite ornery. Um, if I remember correctly. Interesting. So I found that quite... I thought, I'm not going to pursue this conversation. Ah, let it go. Just on let it on go. that point, at least. Walk away. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cam. Uh, I read your post about graduating from NTC. That was the last weekend. Yes. Correct. So yeah, not, not, even, not, even, not even seven days. Man, did you see that I, that I got the post up there? Did I... Tag you in it. Yeah, book. you put it okay. in Instagram and yeah. turned it into like a video looking thing. I was like, I don't even know how you did that. But yeah, well, you know, I, I, I use the screen recording feature of the iPhone iOS rather liberally. Uh, see, I'm an Android guy. Yeah. You know, there's things that your, your phones do that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a, like, especially a lot of the camera stuff yeah. is amazing on iPhone. Mm. Um, but, but my phone does stuff that yours doesn't do like phone calls and I, things i quite love yeah no but see this is okay I'll, i gotta show off so this is a, a motorola it's yeah. like i think i paid 300 bucks aussie for it or thereabouts if i do that my camera my torch turns on mine didn't yeah it doesn't do that no but if, and if I, I, if I you, accidentally taste or taste something, if I accidentally text something that I don't want to, or I accidentally delete something, then I can shake it and erase it. 
Ah, so if I, if I do twisty turning, which I just did, it turns the camera on. So I can pull it out of my pocket, twisty turning, and camera turns on. Twisty turning. Pretty quick. And I got a blank screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So, so I do have friends who are like Apple people who see me do that stuff and go, I pay so much more for my phone and you have twisty turning and I don't have twisty turning. I want twisty turning. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about it, it, you got us off on phones here. I think you're doing this on purpose. You don't want to talk about yourself. <laughs> well, that's the Australian in me, right? Well, like, subcon it's subconscious. Australians I don't put themselves up. It's a it's a cultural thing because if you talk yourself up and value yourself, you're seen as being egotistical. Well, let me let, 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 let me frame this thing. for you to set your set your mind and heart at ease that this is not an exercise in, in hubris, my friend. Okay. This is, this is, this yeah. is, this is your, this is your mate, Kenny. Uh, deeply interested in your journey. And, you know, we've been friends and connected and we kind of pick up where we left off. Um, yep. but I don't know things about you and you don't know things uh, uh, about me. So when I read some of the things in your post about your graduation journey, I just didn't know. And I, I, I didn't know that you were currently enrolled in classes and that you were finishing uh, a bachelor's degree. And then it's been, is it a 30 year journey or is that too big of a number? Well, 30 is, 30 is a legitimate number, but it's not, I'm more comfortable with 20 being a, a reasonable number. Yeah, how old um, are you, Cam? So, so, 46. Yeah, so you so, didn't start university when you were 16. Right. So so what happened was we used to have district youth events at the college. The college had um and so we would have services in there. A couple I was as I said I think in my post I was, you know, grade 10 or whatever. I wasn't even a Christian at that stage. I my story is I started going to to well, I started going to that church at birth. And then left. Which church is that? At the age of ten. Sorry, Anala Church of the Nazarene, as it yep. was then, That's or right. now known as Pop Naz. Yep. Uh, Place of Peace, Peace Church of the Nazarene. That's right. In Anala, Queensland. Um, and my parents' place was literally down the street. Just covered in my chapter um, in the Be Do Go books. In the uh, sorry, I should have had the book so I could like plug. And you can pick that up free online. WHDL and other places. Which, so, which one which one is it? Is it B, do or go? The yellow one. I'm in I'm in go and and my testimony is sort of in that a bit too, if you want to read it a bit more. I think I'm like chapter six or chapter five. I'm around there. Towards the end of the book. Oh look, they forgot to separate these pages. Oh, did they really? Oh, look at that. Right on my chapter? Is, are you telling me? It no. better not be. No, it's Kate Wood. Oh, Kate Wood's amazing. Kate Wood, sorry. Um, and they're coming to live in Australia, by the oh. way, um, next year. Where Her husband is lecturing at NTC. Um, he's from Tennessee and she's from Manchester or England. Chapter five. Yeah, there it is. Chapter five. Your pages are all spliced properly. Thank goodness. Well, you know. 
Tiago's pages were also stuck together. You know Phil Starr? He's chapter six. He's a good friend of mine from Lima, Ohio. Yeah, he's, they've just, and, and there's connection there too, right? Like, because we're Nazarene, so there's automatically connection. But he's a great guy. I'm going to bring 20 him years ago, well, 20 years ago, my church was converted from a factory into a church by Lima Community Church. No, uh. Yeah. Okay, now, because you know what? I, I remember being there with my family and thinking that, that the layout was kind of interesting and the building was for something before, but I don't remember you telling me, maybe you did and I just didn't remember, that it had been a factory. What type of factory was it? So it was a soft drink factory. And so people from town come, I still haven't, I, yeah, yeah, it was a soft drink factory called Mansfields. And Mansfields have been there since the 1800s. And we have a, a wee little display of some of their bottles and stuff. But yeah. Um, Lima, Ohio helped convert oh gosh, the, the factory into a space that the church could be. Our, our DS was formerly the senior pastor of um, Lima Community. Came to Australia, saw all these needs, and within a year, like pretty quick, organized a large team from the States. And they came and did repairs on various churches in Brisbane for a couple of days. And then they spent a good month almost converting the church. So they stripped all the asbestos out of my church and put in non-asbestos fiberboard and put nice. in windows and offices and completely redid all the flooring, built toilet blocks and did an amazing job. And so, and so that's 20 years. So we are definitely the beneficiaries of working in this. Um, Just a little side, side note here. I'm remembering as, as we're talking, Phil is formerly the student ministry pastor in Lima and in the last month has accepted the lead pastor role in Sterling, Ohio. So he's moving from Lima oh. to, to Sterling. Yeah, I was gonna say, he's, he's on the move. Hi, good day. This is Hannah Joy. This is Kenny. Hi, Hannah. He lives how in America, you, he Hannah? used to live here. Huh? And he remembers, how old are you? I've got headphones on, she can't hear a word. Oh, yeah. How, how many has got words? Five. Five. So I've never met you, but I've met your older brother and sister. He says he's never met you, but he has met your older brother and sister. Because Gracie was like a toddler when they lived here, and then they went back to America. He's got three amazing kids. Oh. Yeah. They're, but they're older. Well, one's in senior in high 20, school. Now, 20, 18, and 15. Mate. Man, too old. We're going out to I'm Olive sorry. Garden to celebrate Parker's. That was his restaurant of choice. So after the podcast, in a bit, we'll we'll head off to all to Olive Garden for the garden where I guess they grow the olives. I have never been to Olive Garden. Yeah, and all Come those trips. Over. You can join us tonight. Yeah, um, my country wouldn't let me back in. You know that, right? Yeah, right. Like, like, actually, no joke. Because not. of the COVID, would be like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think my next trip to the states will probably be twenty twenty three for the assembly. Um, I can't tell you why, because I don't think the real, the 
thing that I'm going or planning on going to has been officially announced. So I'm not you, going to. Are, have they finally declared the United States a creative access country and you can't talk to me about it? Is that what it is? No, 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 not at all. But, but there is, I have potentiality at this stage to go to the States on two trips in 2023. Nice. So, so one event that I'm hoping to go to is, and I'll, I'll talk to you about that and I'll, we'll ignore the other thing that I said. Um, so I, well, they have announced that NYC is going ahead in Florida in 2023. Okay. So, and back in Orlando at this stage, well, it's not Orlando. It's Palm Tampa? Beach. Oh, Palm Beach. I think. Interesting. I could be wrong. This is where we need Fred. Fred, Fred could give you all the lowdown on that stuff. That's definitely his side. So, um, but I have a 16-year-old son who, who Uncle Fred wants to bring over for NYC. And he told me last week that he's not prepared to cross an international border um, without me, which is probably understandable for a 16-year-old. Sure. And given Wait. his height and stuff, he won't be 16 then, though, will he? Oh, he will be 16. In, in, in 2023, he'll be 16. He's okay. currently 13, and that much shorter than me, and I'm just under six foot. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. But keep growing up, man. Back to graduating from NTC. Tell me about it. Tell me about the journey. Tell me about the experience. Tell me about. Tell me about the motivation to get through it, to get back to it. Tell me whatever you want to tell me about it. I want to hear it. Okay. And I'll try not to segue too, too much. So I became a Christian, was discipled, um, and discipled into a belief that to be an effective Christian was a, you needed to serve others. And, and leadership plays a role in that. I, I, I define leadership as, as personal leadership firstly, so enough to motivate yourself to get out of bed to serve others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when people think of leadership, they think of this upfront running a team, but, but I think leadership is an accountant in the church or, or church treasurer in a local small church. That's leadership. That's that's doing the stuff that no one else can do. And so I think that's definitely part of leadership for me. So when I say leadership, don't think I mean just necessarily upfront stuff because I think you don't do a good enough job on that. Yeah. Anyway, so I always felt called to full-time ministry, whatever that looked like. And, and full-time for me was just my life. So I've always served in one or two positions in, in a church, usually at a, at a time. Church board, church secretary, Sunday school superintendent at the age of 19, youth leader, what, whatever it is, district stuff. Um, but I, I got to a point where I felt like I needed to do more with my life in my mid to early 20s. Um, so I did year 11 here in Australia. You can do year 11 if you're an You can do year 11 and 12 in one year very intensive um i think the survival rate's about a tenth so you know we sat in a room with over 200 people and they said there will be 20 of you left at the wow. end and we all went i'm not going to be that person and that leads 
but life happens, right? Like, because you're dealing with adults, so you've got people who've got kids and all sorts of, you know, all different stages of their life. So I got October 27th or 28th, it was a Thursday of 99. I, I felt very sick and I was actually having a heart attack at the age of 25 in one month, which is a bit of a shock to all concerned. Um, my pastor took me to the hospital because he lived literally, we lived behind the church. Yeah. Like church was here, another row of houses we were back there. So we're very close to church and I called them and said, look, I just don't feel well, but I don't feel like it's a, I can turn up at the doctors in a couple of hours sort of, well, I feel like I need to go to the doctor now. I don't know what that was. I think it's the, it was the spirit. Um, but yeah, I was having a heart attack, but I'd already done a lot of my study and sort of was enrolled to do a, a, a double bachelor's of social work and arts. Hmm. And then my, my major in the arts degree was going to be theology at the University of Queensland. I got very high marks. Um, was, that was sort of cool. And then the heart attack happened and fell into depression. And, you know, at the age of 25, Christian or not, dealing with your own mortality is everything. Um, felt like my world was turning upside down and um, was having ongoing health issues uh, after the surgery. So they, they put some, a stent in my, um, but that had caused some scar. They had suspected because I'm a redhead and redheads, we scar differently and our pain management is different because of redheads. Hmm. Look it up. It's a real thing. I always thought it was a joke, but it's legit. Interesting. Um, and so I sort of was dropping out of university. I, I couldn't even walk onto campus because I, where you parked your car was like a sort of steep hill and I had such bad chest pain. I couldn't really get onto campus for class. So I dropped out and, but I did feel that God was calling me to something bigger. And so I enrolled in, at NTC, moved onto campus, was in the dormitory with a bunch of amazing people. Um, but still was not coping at all and loved the classes, loved the interaction. Um, NTC in those days was a mix of tests and assignments. These days it's a hundred percent assignments. I find tests much easier to deal with. I have a fairly good memory. Some people would say freakish, but so, so tests are good for me. I can do a couple of hours of study, get in the test, get it done. Whereas assignments intimidate me, um, referencing all that sort of stuff just is no good. Yeah. So but there's lots of tools out there to help you these days. So that was, so things weren't going well. I'd started working at a convention center um, and sort of just dropped out within a year or two. Um, and so which, like, yeah. A convention center in Brisbane or in? Yeah, I've I worked at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Center, oh. which is, in those days was like the third largest, uh, sorry, rated annually as like the third or fourth best convention center in the world. Um, so major events, I was a concierge and that sort of stuff. Asha, um, Asha team leader, that sort of thing. And then I became a floor well, manager after I left college. What do you think, Aisha? Asha. Asha, Asha. Sorry, I didn't have my Aussie interpretation. For Asha. Asha. Yeah. Asha like the R. Asha. Right. So, yeah. 
but time never gone away. And then, so that was what, 2003, 2004, met my wife, got married, was continuing to serve the church, district, local, you know. And then I want to say 2016, um, a guy called Sam Hancock had been sent to check me out, is, is, is how he describes it. And he still won't tell me who sent him. Um, the, the leadership, um, he visited uh, 2014, but we were away in Brisbane doing some district MI stuff. And the next time they'd sort of, he's retired Salvation Army officer, but was Nazarene for many, many years. Um, and he came by and just come back from Olivet from the Compassion Conference that NCMD in 2016. Yeah, I remember that. And was showing a, it was an amazing course. And they tell me that they're not, they don't have any plans to do it again, which I think is completely tragic. Um, I, I, they have a better use of resources, I think is the term that they, they used when I asked. Um, okay. So we went out for lunch afterwards. And he said, he just, he's, he's an Aussie mate. So he just is a straight talker. Like there's no, you know. No pretense, just get to it. Just straight to it. You know, my yeah. kids are playing on the playground. We're there with another friend of ours. And he just goes, look, you clearly, uh, God has gifted you with talents. Why are you wasting them? Bam. Whoa. And then, and then this is in front of, you know, his wife and our friend and I think, Maxwell, one of the other kids was around and and then he then he turns his attention to, to Joe, who's an introvert, and says, You're an amazing leader too. What are you doing about it? And so, but we'd already been talking about preparing for ministry. This was this was just sort of confirmation, but is this is this 2014? Um, you know, I was sixteen or this is 2016. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me ask another question. I was clarifier. like, but I'll be 40. Yeah, let me ask another clarifier here, just timeline-wise. So you you dropped out of school at at uh, Queensland. Is it Queensland University? How do you say the name of the school? University of Queensland, yeah. The other way around, Kenny. Um, and, and you enrolled in NTC. And that what year was that? 2000. So yeah. I, I filed... I yeah. all my subjects. Um, and that's and when you like, started working yeah. at the convention center and you've been doing convention center type work since then. As a part-time job, like, you know, some people are pizza delivery guys. I was a convention center guy. Gotcha. Because I knew you were doing that in, well, what community in your area do you do that in? Have you worked in the convention center? Because you were doing that. Just, yeah. yeah, when you were around. Yeah. And and uh, and stuff a little bit as well, but yeah. But was it Maryborough or or Brisbane and Logan? And there's no convention center up here, so. Oh wait, a, okay, but you were living up there. And but what? what yeah, I was. What, I was. Sorry, it's a little bit of a delay. I was working for a, a yeah, I was working for a, a a dairy food supplies company. That's right. Okay. Selling milk and cheese. Yep. Cool. Yep. We're up to date now. Please continue. So, 
So there's all those questions, right? Of, you know, I'm going to be 46 when I finish, potentially. Is that too late? Um, what are the church? I wasn't pastoring the church I was at at the time. I was just part of the lay leadership. Um, so I didn't know where I would pastor. You know, that, that's an issue. We've got a kid who's going to be, you know, in starting high school by the time I, I finish. Um, you know, where, where are we going? And, and we got back to the, the point of, you know, talking back and forth and praying and all that sort of stuff. And it got back to the point of, even if I finish my degree and no church wants a bar of me, I will have more knowledge about my faith to impact my world, hmm. position or not. And so I like that. that's not how that turned out, obviously. Um, and, 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 and lots of, lots of really practical questions, Kenny, like, you know, how am I going to pay for this? So, so in Australia, we have a scheme called help, yep. which is higher education, something, something. And, and basically you can not pay anything up front. And then once you hit a certain threshold, I think it's like $45,000 a year, Australian, um, you start paying some of your fees back and it's got very low interest rates and it's all, all great. And, but we weren't really comfortable with that because potentially, unfortunately, as a pastor in the church of Nazarene in Australia, um, there's potential for us to never have to pay that debt back in my lifetime. So, but I wasn't comfortable with that because I, I just didn't feel comfortable with, with incurring a debt and having no intention of paying it. It mm. just doesn't sit with me morally. It's legal, sure, but for me morally, it just didn't fit. And, and you know, there's a lot of debate in, in churches about, you know, we're going back to an era where pastors probably won't be paid full time. And, and I think we are. I, I don't think it's a debate. I think people are debating about it because they, they hope that it won't happen. I don't think it's a debate. I think it's going to be the majority experience for people that are vocationally called to ministry, but vocation doesn't mean that your income comes from your job. It means you have a job, you're co-vocational, you have a calling that you're living out in no matter what you do in whatever role that you're in. Um, but if, if you think that in the future, you're going to be a pastor at a church full time and either one that the paycheck from that is going to support you and your family. Um, I got news for you. That's, that's not the way that that's going to be. They're going to be, they're going to be a few churches always that have larger congregations and larger staff. But Cam, we know, we know from our experience. If everybody that's a part of a church, smaller churches, tithe, if they just gave 10% of their income, you could do a whole lot that we can't do right now because that's not the case. Right. About 20, 20 or so percent people are tithing-ish. Higher sometimes. Yeah. But, and, but, and, so I, and sorry, we're also dealing is, with... It's one, of my, oh, it's one of my soapboxes. And I'm talking about the context of, of, of the U.S., but I think in other right. places, like you know, other other Western cultural contexts, like um, like Canada, like Australia, 
where you've had pastors that have been, that's just been the reality. I've always got this sense here in the U.S. that there's, there's people, you know, you go to district stuff and you see pastors and there's pastors that are full-time at large churches and at small churches and in between. And then you have pastors that um, they're part-time at their church and then they have additional income or they're a volunteer at their church and they need to get a job outside because their church isn't big enough or can't provide enough. And I've always felt like it was the second tier kind of pastoral existence vibe that kind of sometimes they put off and sometimes other people kind of put off around them. It's like they weren't contenders in this arena. And I think that those people are going to become the trainers for everybody else. Right. And, and, and to, to be honest with you, it, and this is, this is the bit we may want to cut, but it, it's, inbred into our system so so for ordination if you're deemed full-time or part-time there's a difference as to how long before you can be ordained right and so so technically because the, the church has obviously boundaries as to to set what that is so to be considered full-time, you've got to be serving so many hours a week, and which is fine, because you need to put some boundaries on it. But they also consider, the general church does, at least on the forms that I've seen, and maybe I'm not saying the right thing, but it says you've got to earn more than 51% of your earnings from the church. For what? And for I think it's outmoded. I think it's outdated to, to be considered full-time. So if you, if you are considered full-time, nation process is like two years but if it's if it's part-time it's three to four years and and so when i got the form from from our board of ministry i was like i'm not really sure because what box i should tick um because my call's 24 7 just because the church doesn't pay me doesn't mean that i don't get phone calls at nine o'clock at night like i am Full time, like my call is full time. I don't take off my pastor hat at any point of my day. Right. It's it's part of who I am. Because you can't. So you can't so that's one that. of that's one of my soapboxes, right? Yeah. No. It, you 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 can't you can't pay for a vocational calling. You. I mean, and I always feel funny when I say vocation vocational calling because I feel like I'm being redundant. One is Latin and one is right. English. They mean the same thing. That God has called you yeah. in particular to live out a particular posture of leadership in relationship with the church, practicing the gifts and graces that he's given, equipped, and, and helped develop within you because of the faith community that we've grown up in and that we've been a part of and that we have the privilege to, to serve within and alongside and, and for. And so I, that's been one of the things that I've really had retooled in me. Going to Australia was part of that. Coming back, you know, in, in the years with Youth and Mission was a part of that. Working for a nonprofit was a huge accelerator for that. And now I have the capacity in my part-time seasonal role that I'm in that doesn't have anything to do with the church. I know every day when I go in, no matter if I'm good or bad at my job, that, that the Lord has led me there to practice my vocational calling of pastoral leadership that he's invested in me in the last 20 years. Just because I'm not on staff at a church or positions or technically I'm a volunteer. My credentials rest with my local church as the young adult director. 
So I'm not wow. my 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 credentials aren't shelved because I'm not on staff or pastoring in church. Yeah. Um, but, but, but you're but you're a missionary disguised as a UPS guy. Like that's that's right. reality. Right. But don't tell them. So so if it's the guy if it's the guy who loads that's right right like if you're the if the guy's loading a forklift and you catch up with him and you see that guy five days a week and he's like I'm, and you're like because you're Kenny right and and you say well how's things really going and he's like man I'm working such long hours and my kids are struggling and you know Cam I'm I'm meeting I'm meeting some legends in this right. in this role this one guy. He's worked out of the Nampa UPS center as a driver for 38 years. He's a freaking, wow. freaking legend. Like he could probably do anything that he wanted yeah. to He's just doing his job, you know, and, and other ones. There's this one, the first day I, I, I was there, he wear, he wears like that broad brimmed kind of Aussie school kid hat, but it's like a UPS hat. What do you call those? Right. A hat. Do they have a they have like a, a broad style hat. name? Well, like like is it like an Akubra? Like like a is it like felt or is it no, it's more not material? A, it's, not a, it's not a felt. It's like a it's it's like a bucket hat, but it's got oh. it's like the one behind me here. Up Broader. The yeah, I don't know if you can see it, but anyway, a, a long time ago they were, they were called a Greg Chapel hat because Greg Chapel was a cricketer who sort of made those hats famous. But I think. So, so if you spoke to like Roland Hearn, he would he would identify it as as like a Greg Chapel hat, but these days we just call it a hat. It's just it's just it's just a hat, man. It's just a, anyway. Got off got off on one of my soapboxes because of the vocational yeah. calling. I, I I get that, and I I think it's I think it's one of the one of the many things of both you and Fred, and I'm really interested to hear Fred's perspectives too, on what it means to for your income to be called to the church in pastoral leadership and to suss out how to live that out what that looks like the different postures and things that that maybe you're drawn towards god leads you to develop in but your income comes from something else that you do in your community but you know that you're you're a pastor and i i i would like to say too my this is part of my identity in god's image i'm a child of god i don't have to be a pastor i i don't i don't have, to have a vocational calling to be okay being me. I didn't ask to be called as a pastor. I didn't make that up. It's not something that I chose. It's something that yeah. I received as an invitation and I followed in that. And I love, I dearly love being a part of the church and I love having a pastoral calling on my, on my life. But I, under, I have also begun to better understand the struggle that people that I didn't really know where they were coming from or what they were going through um, I, I, I would sometimes get the sense, sometimes with people older, sometimes with people younger, that I've got to work this job right now, but hopefully one day I'll just be able to work at a church and I won't have to work in the world at a secular job. And it's like, no, that's wow. really actually rich. Like lean into that. And if God wants you to be in a church, yeah. this, he's going to provide it. You don't got to angle at it, make it happen sure. or, you know. As soon as you pull back that curtain, you find out everything that's behind it, and sometimes that's not as nice. Yeah. Well, once again, I think it comes back to how I was discipled. So I was at a church that, you know, so that was very much preaching on 
you know, you're a missionary wherever, if you're a student at high school, you're a missionary disguised as if you're a lawyer, if you're whatever it is. And I've got a mate of mine who we sort of grew up there and we're disciple together and he became a, a science teacher, math teacher. And he's like, the government pays me to minister to kids. Yeah. And, and, and you're talking about Australia, right? But we have paid school chaplains. We have right. paid religious chaplains in our schools. But this friend of mine as a Christian teacher has more freedom to evangelize than the chaplains do because the chaplains, because we're a secular society, the government funding for chaplains, they used to, they've always existed, well, they've existed for a long time, but having them government funded actually stopped their ability to minister in the name of the gospel. Right. The, the more uh, de facto school counselor, um, support officer sort of thing than they are a chaplain than they used to be. They can't do any activities that would, you know. So, so this friend of mine's a, a science teacher who's who knows that he's a disciple and wants to disciple others, and so, you know, he's he's like, I can't believe the government's paying me money to, to do this. So I, I think it comes back to to your, to your mindset of we're all we're all called. Um, it just depends where that lands. Yeah. And how that changes and morphs, you know, at, at any time. Um, talk, yeah. to me, talk to me a little bit about what, what NTC is, has meant to you over the years. It's so much. Um, you know, key mentors of mine are on staff there. And it's not just a... I, I think the strength that they have is that all the lecturers are practitioners. Mm -hmm. So, so they have the academics, mm -hmm. but they've, they've lived out. And I think apart from one or two of the current full-time lecturers, they're pastoring churches on a Sunday and lecturing Monday to Friday. So, um, I think that's, that's a huge strength. I think, um, your fellow students are a huge strength. Like there's a cohort that I went through with the first time and we've done like family holidays together with like four or five families, all pastoral. Um, and now 20 years on from when we all sort of met, you know, one of the group turned 40 and we all got together at, at, a, at his birthday party and just sat at a table and just talked about, you know, how's life going and, and so they're, they're people that I know if anything went down that I could, I could call and they would drop things awesome. from them. Um, one of the other huge strengths of NTC, Brisbane, Australia, New Zealand, whatever we want to call it, is class sizes. So classes are getting bigger this year, um, but there was times in my last couple of years that I've had classes with two or three people. Yeah. A large class for NTC is like eight people. Yeah, yeah. And and you have visiting lecturers, you know, Alec Deasley and um, from all over Dr. the world. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And and they're they top top people in, in in Wesleyan theology or church history or whatever it might be, who, you know, people would struggle to, to sit in one of their classes with less than 70, 80 people. And you completely 
all the lectures are very approachable and um, you know it's flexible I've done my degree this time from home um, I think 90% of my classes I was wearing pajama bottoms um, I can say this now that I sort of finished because it's it's this sort of setting right it's on zoom and that's, not because, that's not because of the pandemic that's, can, that's because it's remote yeah yeah because I'm, I'm three and a half hours from campus so if, if I need a book from the library, they have a, a wide range of um, eBooks, but also I can request stuff and we send them money for, uh, we sort of did a thing in our family where we gave them like a hundred bucks or thereabouts at the start and said, this is just for postage. And they would post the books to me. So I sort of Tuesday night, they'd be there by Friday. And then you just use the book for the assignment, send them back. Um, so wow. they're great. It, it's it's been really good, um, and they do chapel services, and you can interact with those online. Um, they do their lead seminars, so everything is sort of online, and you can have students. I did one class with a lady in Townsville, and I was, you know, here, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really awesome. Just just so, that the the small college thing um, is really. I, cool. I hadn't I hadn't thought about this before, Tamara, but in in theory and and really in 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 practice, a student from the U.S. could fully take a class in Australia, in their pajama bottoms on their computer, be enrolled in NTC Brisbane, be like a virtual study abroad student, build that connection, build those relationships, and then plan to come visit and and be there for a semester or maybe go on a mission trip or I'm getting a cramp in my leg Absolutely. and I have to stand up, dude. Oh my goodness. I went on a bike ride this morning. No, I'm <laughs> getting a cramp on my inner thigh. I went on a bike ride for the first time in a few weeks just because my job is not, I haven't been able to keep up with running and, and, uh, yeah. and, and bike riding. And I think I just didn't, I just didn't stretch well before and afterwards. And I'm 43 and it just snuck up on me. Sorry, mate. Young pup. I know. That's all right. That's with how good it cramps are. Twenty year old daughters. Oh, sitting down is the worst. Okay, I'm just gonna keep it extended here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but but what I mean, okay. I I wonder if there'd be students that'd be like, you know, I can't go to Australia right now, but I want to, and so maybe I could just take a class that helps fulfill some of my credits here, and so it's a virtual study abroad. Have you heard of anybody talking about that? Something like that. No, but we should. Yeah, we should. Are you um, on the board there? No, not anymore. You used to um, be. So I was. I was on the board for probably six, seven years. Conference I was actually a student and on the board, which was no, no. I so the structure of the board is you've got the principal and all those sort of people, the chair, but they have um, each of the sponsoring districts have. Uh, two lay and two clergy members of the board. I think I could be getting this wrong, but I believe okay. the DS is usually ex officio and then another clergy and then two lay people. I was a lay person. Um, so because I was, I was a lay person, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm currently sort of in limbo, I describe it. So I'm not, in the eyes of the church, I'm not a lay person and I'm not clergy. 
one are you? Let's make so, up a term. I'm in, I'm in the middle. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, I understand it. Technically, I am a pastor for all, all rights and purposes, but there is that limbo period where you're not lay and you're not a reverend, you're not an elder. I think I'm on the other side of that. I'm the, where I've been, a, I've been a reverend. I am a reverend, but I've been in these leadership roles, but now I'm a lay person in my church, but nobody knows what to do with me. The pastors don't know what to do with me. Folks in the congregation right. still refer, some of them still refer to me as Pastor Kenny. And it's, it's endearing to me. Sometimes right. the other pastors will introduce me, or I'll be in youth group as a youth staff person, as a parent, and, and the youth pastor will go, Pastor Kenny, what do you think about that? I'll be like, why is that calling me Pastor Kenny right now? Like, I'm just dad, <laughs> like hanging out. But I, I feel honored yeah. because they, they see me that way. But I don't know where I fit. I think of myself as a pastor, but I really enjoy the flexibility and freedom of being a layperson. I'm still struggling with pastor too. Like people say, oh, pastor, hey, go pastor. And I'm like looking around going, who are you talking to? Oh, you talking to me, right. Um, I, I used to chastise kids that, that would call me pastor because I felt like their parents had obligated them to do that as like some type of right. like quasi kind of, not false, but like a pretentious kind of respect thing. And I, on the side, I'd say to them, hey, you can call me pastor That's if cool. you want to or if you need to, but just know that Jesus calls me Kenny. Actually calls right. me a bunch of other names, but on my better days, he calls me Kenny, you know? And I think it goes back to this, not to circle back too far, but it goes back to this whole thing of the call of God is on our lives to serve and to draw closer to Jesus and grow and become more like him. And so the matter. Titles to me are a human construct. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think that's so. I've got this friend yeah. in, I've got this friend in, in Richmond, Virginia, Jeff, um, Jeff Hernandez, called to the church as a pastor. He works for Allianz. I feel like I know that name from the internet too. I feel like I'm in some internet groups with him. Maybe. I feel like I know that name. Um, but he, my last conversation with him, I actually put it up on the, the Pivoting Pastor podcast, one of, one of my other projects, um, with Stuart from Calgary and Stretch from Boston. We do that one together on Thursday morning. Oh, I know Stretch thing. Yeah, you do. I know Stretch. Legends. Um, but Jeff, Jeff's, my little side note is this. Jeff's uh, admonition to us is to think not of certain people that are called, not to think of only certain people being called, but that everyone who's a follower of Christ is called to a particular ministry within the church and to help people discover right. their ministry within the church and, and, and their gifts and graces to practice within their communities, not just with the church, because they go, they go hand in hand. Um, right. And I, I really liked the direct, I'm not, I'm not um, summarizing it. Well, I really liked the direction that he was going though, because it, it really, ties into the priesthood of believers and they were in this together and it's not a cadre of elite you know people that are the priests or the pastors or the reverends or the whatevers 
and they're the only ones that can do certain things and say certain things and, and do. now there, there, there's, there's some of that that's probably there's some good boundaries there. You don't want everyone going around, you know, officiating weddings. However, spend 10 minutes on the internet and you can become the reverend of the church of whatever, and you can officiate your friend's wedding wherever. Um, so well, that's in America. That's, I don't think I can do that. You don't think you can do that in Australia? No, no, no. To, to be licensed as an officiant is much so, more. Because trust me, I, so it's much more of a hurdle. Ah, so you're, you're, are you district licensed? Are you like, lo, you're locally licensed, yeah. district licensed, and are you ordained? No. So I'm two years in. So Got you. we're looking okay. at, because um, I'm not, maybe I'm going to get in trouble with this, but our district has like a middle, like we were talking before, so they have like the part-time, full-time, but then they consider people like me. So my pathway is going to be three years, not two or four. Wait, are you on a deacon track? Are you elder ordination? Uh, elder. Yeah. Elder, I, th that could be a conversation for another day, but, you know, I've always, I, and, I, and that was part of what I struggled with, was I never really felt called to preach. Yeah. I felt called to serve people more than to, to preach. Whereas I've known people who are like, I just want to preach, I don't want to deal with people. And I'm like, that's not pastoring um, for a start. But anyway, that's a different story. Stuart and I just so I, talked I can... about that on, I, I've got to edit the episode still. But he and I just right. talked about pastors hiding behind pulpits because of their insecurity as of being in community with the people that they lead. Well, the, the, the problem is, the, the, the problem is, when you call a pastor, and I've, I've been on lots of those committees over the years, and, you know, you can hear church boards. Church boards are like, we want a strong preacher who's academic and, 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 a, and a good scholar, but they need to be a people person that can interact with the Sunday school kids and the oldies and the youth and be relatable, but also do some maintenance around the church. And, you know, all, all, all for 25 grand a year, right? And We need, we need we the ministry of, of the people. We need the work of the people and the priesthood to get active. And, and strongly administratively as well, <laughs> right um all the gifts and, of the spirit and the, please and, and the ds yeah but for 25 grand a year right and, and the ds turned to them and said i've got the i was in this board meeting and i nearly snorted out my water um and he said oh i'll go to canada his name was jesus but we crucified him <laughs> that's not funny i shouldn't laugh that is funny Sorry. yeah i can know that didn't Cam, one time I was in a church board interview when I was when I was fresh out of uni, and um, in the interview they asked me what I thought about the job application. I said I think they're trying to hire Superman. There's about two or three positions that that are represented in in the job description that you shared with me, and this person is not going to have a home life or is going to burn out or both. And they were they were a little taken back wow. with this that this twenty two year old whippersnapper had the audacity to to tell them that I didn't get hired at that church. Um, yeah, my accountability my accountability partner and I were both in contention for the position. He didn't. I don't think he got hired either. I think they hired somebody else. But yeah, I don't know why. 
people will do things and try to get things from, you know, they will try to magically produce more bandwidth and capacity in a human being in a pastoral church role setting than they will in the people that they oversee in their everyday workplace. Yeah, I, and this is probably a conversation for another time, but I feel like we abuse the call often. Mm. And then we wonder why, I think we've got a lot better at it. I don't think we're great yet. Um, it's, a, it's a balancing point, but I think we do abuse the call because we know people are called by God and they're gonna be faithful to that. So they'll put up with bad conditions and bad pay or no pay. Um, and, and that's just sort of reality. And I, I think that's, that's one of the that's reasons I like God. my local that's church. A, that's on God's people, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the things why I love my church. So there was there was a period where I was second or third year college. We needed a pastor, um, but they weren't prepared to call me. And the reason they weren't prepared to call me was because they knew that they couldn't support me financially. And I said, well, that's, that's up to God. We'll, we'll sort that out later. But they didn't want to abuse me. And I and I love that. Yeah. Um and and you know, we'll 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 get there eventually, I think. But but yeah, so that that was sort of cool that they were like, look, we know that we can't support you financially, so we don't wanna whereas I thought that they didn't sense my call like I sensed my call. And and at uh... that stage I wasn't getting much from the district either. And so, so we were considering, and this is a bit of an exclusive for you guys, this has not been said much publicly, but we were, we were seeking out a call elsewhere, potentially off our home district, um, on, on another district in our districts. We, I, I had talked to other DSs who I knew through other things and said, look, in Australia or beyond? What do you? Um, let's just say on the field. Okay. So, so we were sort of feeling that Australia out. Australia, New Zealand. And, and and yeah, and and the reason that the DSs were reluctant to talk to me was because they didn't want to step on any toes. And I respect that too. So they were like, and I was like, well, I've tried talking to people here and I'm not really getting anything back. Um, so if we need to, so it was that whole thing, right? That I said yeah. 15 hours ago that we got a call, but you need the call to be confirmed. And so even if I hadn't had that call confirmed, I would still be, closer to God and knew more and able to serve better. So, um, and so we, we did, we, we checked some things out and, and we've ended up where we're at and loving it, you know? So are you, are you working? It's tough, but. Are you co-vocational? So, yes, I, so Australia's got an amazing system where, um, the government actually gives you money to study 
if you're a citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not a lot of money, but it's a, to put food in your stomach and pay some of the bills. But thankfully, I've been caring wife who works as well. So we, um, that, that sort of ended in August and um, I've just been wrapping up my studies. I've got a little bit to go, like one more assignment and one subject and a little supervised ministry to go. Um, and I've just accepted a job as a disability carer with a local community organization, which their property is actually at the back of our church property. Interesting. So they're our, neighbor, our church neighbors. That's cool, man. So I went to a local, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's and ministering as a church more and more to the disability community. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I hope for so, more and more pastors to embrace roles outside of the walls of a church building and, and to see it as miss, missional posturing um, and strategic and not as tragic and second rate, but intentional right. to be a part of the fabric of the community instead of wondering why the community doesn't want to be a part of the church. Right. And I had spent five years before that working part-time um, convenience store slash gas station, as you would say. It only became a gas station last December. Um, that broke my pastor's heart. That is just heartbreaking. Because you've got situations where you've got, I remember one time there was like a 10-year-old kid begging his mother not to buy cigarettes so they could buy food. Oh. Mum, you said you were going to quit. Um, wow. People bring toddlers, you know, two-year-olds in at 10 o'clock at night and give, buying them a large frozen Slurpee-type drink at 10 o'clock at night. And you're like, sweetheart, that's not nutritional. That's just junk. Like yeah. it's literally sugary water. A, what's a two-year-old doing up at 10 o'clock at night? Um, so, yeah, I, I found that really, really tough. And, and because it's so go, 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 you don't have time to react to people that are clearly hurting and clearly need words of comfort mm. and mercy. Yeah, I found that really tough. So I'm hoping this caring job um, is still more of pastoring undercover. Um, yeah. Just loving on people and caring for people. And so, well, well, yeah, well, so we do that. a fair yeah. bit of work with the disability community. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting. But the funny thing is, my resume doesn't tell the full story, right? So they look at jobs, and I, I've been knocked back a fair bit. And so we had a local job fair, and so I just went and I said to Joe, "Look, I don't think I'm going to just go. Who who knows?" And I got talking to this organisation, and I said, "Oh, pull up the chair. We want we want to talk to you." And um, Within minutes, they hand me an application form. And before I even filled in my full name on the form, she's like, so is Tuesday okay for you for an interview? Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I've just been, they're trying to get me moving. And I'm like, I've got to finish my studies. Yeah. So it's just a bit awkward at the moment. But yeah, so excited to see what God does. Same. Kim, I got a wrap, man.
and we spent yeah, longer cool. on here than I told you that we were going to. So um, let's end with that Tim Tam Slam. Uh, is it too early to do that? Mate, I'll be drinking ginger beer at this time in the morning. So. Yeah, that's my fault. Oh. I encourage that. Yeah. Talk us through what this I'm is. I'm so glad that you can buy that at Costco. I am too. I'm so glad you can buy that at Costco. Costco and I'm a Costco guy, not a Walmart. Sam Club. Um, what sort of price are you looking at? Is it is it XE? Is it expensive? Uh, I bought a little four pack, and it was. I don't know where's my receipt. I don't know where my receipt's at. Well, here's my receipt. Oh, I can tell you exactly. I don't know what the exchange rate right now is between Australia and the US. Seventy-three cents. To the dollar, so a dollar is seventy-three cents, or. 73 Australian um, is one dollar. 73 US cents to one Australian dollar. Okay. So this was this was just about six bucks for four. Well, they're on special. I, I saw them on special yesterday at one of our major supermarkets, uh, a four pack for five dollars, and that was on special. So you're doing pretty well, I think, considering you're literally on the other side of the planet. Reels. Um, so, when you're ready, tell us what the Tim Tam Slam is, and then talk us through the finer movements of this activity. Okay, I don't know the origin of who came up with it. Um, Starting though, I, I'm I'm jealous because I. I really like the chocolate ones with the caramel inside. Those are my faves. This is this is a new flavor. Uh, double chocolate caramel. So they're constantly bringing out caramel new flavors. This is a double chocolate caramel cream flavor. It's mm. like a limited edition. Um, usually when I travel to the States, I'm packing between 25 and 30 packets of these bad boys. Um, Arnott's hit me up. I need sponsorship. I can't afford to do it. Yeah, not a sponsor, but they don't. I actually, I wait till they're half price. I wait till they're half price at the supermarket, and then I stock up. And I have a two-layer of like a duffel bag with wheels. Yeah. And usually one layer is Tim Tam, and then the next layer is. So the Tim Tam Slam is usually done with hot beverages like coffee or whatever. Um. But I'm not a coffee drinker or a tea drinker. So I usually do it with cold milk. Um, also oh, good. it's been so hot here, Kenny. How hot? So they're a bit they're a bit how you they're a bit how you do it. They're blooming a little with the heat. It's been hot here and it's melting already. I, I nearly put this in the freezer when you when you wanted me to do this. But so you, okay. this is your biscuit, cookie yep. as an American would say, and yep. you nibble, I nibble. Corner off the biscuit. Okay. Okay. And then the opposite corner. Uh huh. Okay, this is important. Yep. Yep. I'm working nice. that camera angle. Good day from NCC. So, Ready. Okay. Yes, it's nice. So you get that, get that on sort of a, a diagonal. Yep. And then you suck the milk through the. This is the Tim Tam Slam. You use. The Tim Tam is a straw for the liquid. 
use the, the biscuit as the straw and you'll start to feel it will lose, it's starting to lose, there's about two seconds, it's starting to lose the structural integrity. And is this the slam part and when coming? It completely almost collapses in on itself, you eat it. Slam. Da, 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 mm. da, da, da. Nice. Well executed, Maybe my I'll friend. On my fingers. Well executed. You can't leave it too long. Otherwise, it's going now in the, the advantage, cup. Right. The advantage of the cold milk is that there's like a cherry flavor of these sometimes. Oh. And so you actually pick up the cherry flavor. I don't know if you guys have those. We have these straws that are like, they're for kids, like a plastic straw with like chocolate flavor and like little pebbles of chocolate flavor. And as you suck the that. milk through the straw, you get the, the flavor. So Tam Slamin is very similar. So if, you, if you're doing that with coffee, A, it's hot. You've I got like a burn it. risk I like it with coffee. Literally. And, and I don't think you get the flavor of the actual biscuit, right? Whereas with the cold milk, you actually get the flavor of the carrot chocolate. I'm just saying. Con I'm here for the controversial hot takes. Mm. Well, Cam, thank awesome. you, mate. Be good to catch up. Tell the family thank you and, and tell, tell Joe hi. We'll do. Blessings to you and, and your mob. Cheers, Excited mate. to see what you guys are up to and maybe 2023. Uh, we'll see you. Because one of your boys will be old enough to, to be there, right? Surely. Yeah, our our last our our senior in high school was just the last time I see. So Braden, the youngest, will be at the next one. But hey, let, let's do this again and let's get Fred on and we'll talk all about hosting teams and bringing teams to Australia and the finer points of. The, the ins and outs and do's and don'ts and recommendations. Awesome. All right. Cheers. God bless you, Kenny. Talk to you soon, eh?